you're listening to Wandering Rome. The dark halls of Umer Palace stretch out before our heroes as they depart on a search to save three children from the dangers that lurk here in the shadows of the nameless god. All right, bees, Operation 212. And Hamish points with both fingers like he's landing an airplane and square formations of bees fly over his head and down the hallway. They start to buzz and vibrate and they start to glow like glow sticks. Ah, hello. Um, rabbits, little fox child. Hello. Come on, Aldern, you know the rules of hide-and-seek. You can't just let people know where you are by calling back. That's not how the game works. Alea looks down at the sack of rotten and, and drops feathers, and it's like, can we get rid of that? Of this gross bag thing? Yeah, I agree. Um, I was actually thinking more of, like, candy, and she'll, like, toss it over to the side, and she'll reach into her other pocket, and she'll pull out just a handful of candy and say, okay, So I think if we just, like, make a trail of these, I think it's going to draw the children out. As she tosses it to the side, there is a shattering of glass as the bag breaks through a window and tumbles out of sight. Whoa. Whoops. Leia looks out as it's just starting to rain a little bit. So there's, like, this weird mist, heavy condensation that comes in through the window. Leia is like, maybe that wasn't brightest, though. I forget how strong I am, and I wasn't looking. I'll uh, refrain from doing that again. Squeakers looks at the window, and as he looks at the broken hole, it seems as though the shadows from the trees outside begin to encroach through the hole slowly inward. He turns to the group and says, I feel like we better get moving. Feels not good to stay in one spot for too long on a night such as this. Alea drums her hand against the palm all of the blade and says, There's nothing be afraid of. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I just hope that you don't mind if I stand next to you while we're uh, not believing in superstitions and all that. Alea reaches down and puts her hand on Squeaker's shoulder. Squeaker's <laughs> blushes and shoots a look over to Hamish. <laughs> Hamish gives a little knowing nod and raises his eyebrows a few times. <laughs> so if we leave the candy like this and Raindrop will continue forward into the darkness, just not paying attention. And she's dropping like gumballs and wrappers. Guided by glowing bees, they are generating just enough light to see a bit ahead of us, but not enough to truly perceive everything. As the group tries to stay in that light, this oppressive feeling of being watched continues. There's a set of statues, some of them made out of straw, depicting goats in various poses, holding spears and looking very regal and powerful, but optical illusion of the flickering light dancing across this marble fully makes it look like they are at any moment going to leap down. And Alea is actively uncomfortable. She says, I have fought too many of these men to enjoy this walk. We're not going to find the kids by stumbling around in the dark. Oh, the kids love to stumble around in the dark. It's one of my favorite pastimes. 
You shouldn't be doing it tonight. All right, uh, what do you suggest we do then? This is never really the part of the heroics that I was getting at. <laughs> I'm not used to saving kids. As they come to the end of the row of statues, the final one made of straw lies broken and the straw strewn across the floor. There's been a murder most foul. It's a scapegoat. This is what they're made to have happen to them. Oh. You make straw scapegoats so that she mistake them for a living being and destroy them instead of us. So you're saying she's she's out right now and No, she's... I told you she's dead. Oh, okay. I was just confused because the scapegoat is dead and it just seemed like someone did that. Yeah, no, someone definitely did do that. However, I'm pretty sure our friend Ford in there mentioned something about something else, whatever that means. You think that with something so ominous, he could give us a little bit more detail. But, you know, I, I wasn't about to push it. It's just ghosts. Sometimes you cut off the head of a wolf and the head still bites. Sometimes when something dies, its shadow sticks around. Yeah, Raindrop, you hear that? It's just ghosts. Just ghosts. Don't I always tell you it's always ghosts? Kind of seems like that tends to happen after a war. Alea is staring at you just completely (laughs) stone-faced. Aldern pulls Squeakers aside and says, Squeakers, I am a very keen reader of people, and I think there might be a little spark between you and Alea. Should you wish... May I remind you that Aya, the god of a misplaced kiss, attends you. She may be able to offer some advice. Um, Aldern, you might be a really keen reader of people, but I don't know that you're a very keen reader of situations because we're right now in the middle of a ghost town with ghosts that are murdering people. So... You're absolutely right, actually. That was a really great point. Uh, I will file that back here for after we get out of the ghost place. Um, Thank you for your advice. And Squeakers will then turn and just start walking towards one of the bees. Raindrop steps a little bit closer to the broken statue. And as she crouches down and looks, she notices a faint crack of emptiness behind the statue and a piece of fabric hanging onto the straw. Hey, Squeakers, get back. <laughs> Squeakers turns and says, yeah, what's going on, Raindrop? I think there's something behind the straw, but I'm, I'm too weak to push it away. Raindrop, you should really have more confidence in yourself. You're stronger than you give yourself credit for. However, oh, thank you. I, I appreciate you accepting that I have the biggest muscles here. So I'm going to go ahead and just give this a little... And Squeakers starts pushing on it, and it just doesn't budge. And he says, all right, this is going to need a little bit more uh, little mm. bit more elbow grease. And he spits yeah, uh-huh. on his hands, patooey, patooey, rubs them together, and pushes again. And it still doesn't move. Alea reaches over Squeakers, grabs it with her mechanical arm, and just picks it up one-handed and sets it aside. Squeakers turns to Alea. I'm glad I was able to loosen that for you. Thanks for finishing the job. We make a pretty good team. She smiles. There you have it. A spooky hole in the wall that leads to who knows where. I think that's pretty promising. Yeah, no, that's a clue. That's a clue if ever I saw one. Hey, Raindrop, 
We can add detective to your list of accomplishments. Ariana, and she'll take the flower off of her hat and reach into her bag and pull out a detective cap. You know, it's crazy that we've been traveling all this time and this is the first time I'm seeing that, but let's explore the spooky hole. After you. Squeakers says, yeah, after me. And he slowly creeps into the hole in the wall and he's followed by one of the glowing bees as he peeks through and the bee flies it illuminates a small tunnel you can hear the loud tapping of rain as the gang moves through the tunnel the ground becomes soft and loamy and then muddy as it takes them outside i do love me a secret tunnel guys where do you think this goes like a like a vault like a treasure room It goes to the private quarters of the king. This was the path that servants would take. Mansions like this are riddled with secret tunnels. It's nothing special. Secret tunnels. This seems like a good place to find the kids. Kids love secret tunnels. I love secret tunnels. You know a lot of these? Do you know more secret tunnels? Basically every wall has a gap between it and the next wall. There was a fashion at the time for servants to not be seen or heard. It was uh, an effective way to keep a building of this size maintained by the sheer colossal number of people necessary to maintain it. And with that, there's like a little bit of a giggle and a scamper inside the wall as you hear some footsteps run down through the wall past us. Y'all hear that xylophone just then? (laughs) As the gang continues down the tunnel, it's very clear that It hasn't been well-maintained. The rain from outside is leaking through the gaps in the cobblestone, and it's dripping down as they continue. Towards the end of the tunnel, there is a large wooden door that, when pressed on, the wood feels warped and wet. From the other side of the door, we can hear scampering, but it does not sound like the scampering and giggles of the rabbit and the fox we met previously. We're just gonna take a quick little peek-see. Raindrop will push against the door, and the door creaks and creaks and doesn't stop creaking, just a continuously loud, so sorry, so sorry, shh, shh, so sorry, door. (laughs) The scampering and giggles stop and fall silent, and as the door opens, it leads into the private quarters and the room is fully empty. Huh. That's, uh, that's a little disturbing, wouldn't you say? Yeah, Hamish, in all of our experiences with ghosts, do you remember if they giggle? I mean, sometimes they giggle. Depends on uh, what sort of a haunt they're doing. Right, right. Not like a, a murderous giggle, like a... Oh, well, sometimes uh, it's a murderous giggle. Great, love that. If, like, great. it was a creepy child that died, or, like, a creepy man that pretended to be a creepy child. Oh yeah, that. that's real creepy. That's so that much real creepy. Excuse me, ghost, you're not a, a creepy man pretending to be a child, are you? And there is no reply. Well, no, that could mean yes. It could mean no. Ghosts are so tricky. Alea, do you know of a way, perhaps, to maybe get a bird's eye view of where these children may have gone? Smart, Alder. Alea glances down the secret passageway and says, We follow this. We should be able to get to the chambers, and from there, there's a window. Alea leads the group 
lit by bumblebee light through very narrow passages. Stairs wind along. Rickety floorboards soaked through with water damage. The walls are collapsed in some spots. Eye holes have been cut in certain paintings for the purposes of spying. And Aleo leads winding along until we arrive in the chambers of the King of Photo Mountain, or where they once were. The rooms have been stripped entirely bare. There's bare furniture that has been stripped of everything valuable, and white sheets have been laid over it. The light coming through this is light of the moon. It barely comes through. It creates this very beautiful, misty sense. It's very austere, and you can see there's stuff marks on the walls and stains on the ground. Naleo looks visibly uncomfortable. She walks over to the very large circular window in the chambers and gestures out. Says from here you can see the whole palace. Looking out directly beneath these chambers is a sprawling garden with a very thin layer of mist poking up from the mist. You can still see dozens of wildflowers that have bloomed within this garden that, although untended, still form around the stone structures, lending them a beautiful natural grace. It's clear that while there used to be a very well-tended garden here, it has become entirely untended. It goes on for as far as the eyes. This palace is huge, but it is dwarfed by the gardens around it, which themselves are full of graves. And with the unkempt garden, it has become something new. As saplings sprout up in various spots, the river is forming this marshland where, like, weeds are growing. You realize, perhaps, that a long time ago, this used to be a different ecosystem. This used to be a marsh. And it was forcibly, through the power of the force of will of the Emperor, it was transformed into this palace and this garden. But now... The Emperor is gone, the will is gone, the water comes back, the ecosystem returns, and the wildflowers bloom where there used to be hedges. Say, uh, Aleia, you've been around here much. Uh, now, are those lily pads just gently floating around over there? When I was a kid, my mother used to tell me that everything that could be found in the gardens of absolution, that if you looked hard enough, that all of creation was reproduced perfectly. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, I was going to note that it's kind of odd to see uh, lily pads and flowing water, but I guess there's no one here to keep the water at bay, and so every year the water comes in. He shapes the garden back to how it used to be. Good for the land. Take it back. Yeah. I've often thought that those emperors and kings are no good business. I'm glad that the water's coming back. And Squeakers kind of looks up at Alea with a big old grin. Alea looks down and gives this kind of like wistful smile. It's sad how many people had to die to make that happen. His smile slowly fades and he says, And may they rest in peace. Alea gestures, Do you see any damn kids? Looking out the window, skipping from one tombstone to the other, is a small rabbit. <gasps> there he is! Because I think we can get him! As they continue to watch, this rabbit is trying to catch up with the other two. But unbeknownst to the three of them, there is a darkness that is encroaching on the tombstones. Now don't wander off. 
Wander and Rome will be right back. people to know Danny. You're Danny. Who am I? Summer. I'm Summer. We are bisexually lit. This is a podcast about movies and life and everything in between. Two best friends who are loud and queer and love to talk about movies on and off mic and we'd like to take you along for the ride. Why did we name our podcast Bisexually Lit? Well, like, you know, A, we're bisexual. Extremely. B, we're we're getting lit. We're giving literary and thematic readings to the movies we love. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We drop a new episode every other Monday, bi-weekly, if you will. Oh, I will. Have you ever seen something you couldn't explain? Have you ever felt like something was watching you, even when you were alone? Have your dreams ever started bleeding into the reality around you? Starting March 8th, join us bi-weekly as we travel around the contiguous United States sharing strange stories and discovering mysteries hidden within the vastness of America. Listen to Lower 48 on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I guess we should probably uh, go and get him, huh? Absolutely. Do you think we could jump to the roof below? Aldern, can't you fly? I can fly. I thought it would be more narratively interesting if we jumped, but I can give us a lift as well. Yeah, you can give me a lift or Raindrop a lift, but you can't give a Leia or Hamish a lift. I can't give Leia a lift, no. You're far too large. I have an idea, and I've read about it in all my stories. And Raindrop turns around, and she runs back further into the room and grabs a giant white sheet off of a couch and pulls it back. Okay, we just do a lot of knots, and we can climb down, I think. That's a fantastic idea. Uh, and Squeakers yeah. runs and begins gathering sheets and, and trying to tie them together. Raindrop grabs the knotted sheets and she will go toss an end towards the window and step back before looking behind her and seeing that no one's holding the other end. Squeakers says, Raindrop, we weren't done with it yet. Oh, sorry. And he leaps to try to grab onto the sheet. And in doing so, he begins sliding towards the window quickly. Seeing Squeakers zip by, Raindrop will also grab Squeakers' leg and get pulled along as well. All right, hold on, I'm heavy. And Hamish takes a few exhausted steps over to where the rope is whizzing by, and with just two claws, he grabs it and more or less gets it to stop, but you can tell he's shaking a little. Here, let's tie it off. With great effort, they're able to tie the bed sheet to a post that's on the bed. Whew, all right. Uh, okay, who's, who's going first, huh? I'm on it. Alea walks over and with one hand grabs hold of the sheets and repels down, kicking her feet off of the side of the building. Some chunks of brick come off with it as she makes her way down. She is so cool. (laughs) Coolest person I know. (laughs) 
Squeakers turns to Aldern and says, Okay, so we got her taken care of. So you want to just flitter us down then? I don't know that I could do that. My feet won't touch the brick. Sure, climb aboard. Squeakers climbs on to Aldern's back, and the two of them flitter down, followed by Raindrop with her newfound flight. Hey, Hamish, are you coming? Yeah, give me a second. And Hamish gets a somber look on his face, and he closes his eyes and takes a deep breath and exhales. And then he jumps out the window, not touching the rope. And he just lands with an enormous thud in like a three-point landing. He stands up straight and he says, Yeah, all right, let's get going. Let's go! Kids, come back here! Aldern dashes towards the children in the gardens. The group continues to run along the garden floor. They notice that the grass that's thick and heavy with water is slowly rising, first to their toes, then to their ankles, and seemingly a little higher. The coffins begin to rise out of the soil. Even though this is not the graveyard, it seems as though the bodies of those who have gone before are strewn about the grounds of this place. The children who are a distance off turn around and they begin to scream as these coffins begin floating down towards them. Hey folks, now we seen shadows chasing these poor children, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, shadows, yeah. this is the threat? Yeah, yeah, th- them, them shadows. I think I think I want to talk to them. Well, the shadows. So you all, you can go catch them kids i'm gonna i'm gonna fall back for a bit i'll talk to you you know i'll talk to you in a bit be careful hamish he'll be back uh alaya alaya and squeakers runs towards alaya who is bounding towards the children alaya is going as fast as her big legs will carry her the kids are playing and dancing there is a shadow in the mist that is very large the smell of its jewel is sulfur. There is no jewel. There is just a shadow. That smell is still in Alea's nose. And she reaches out and grabs the bag of raw bug meat that had been thrown through the window and crashed out, of, like rolled off into the darkness. And she grabs it and she whirls it around her head like a slingshot and hurls that into the mist over the kids' heads and into the shadow. The shadow parts and envelops this bag, and the bag is split wide open, and the contents of the bag hover in the air and are devoured by an invisible entity. Olea stops for a moment, frozen, as she gets lost in the memory of another time in her life, perhaps, when a very similar event occurred. Squeakers sees that Alea has stopped and stops next to her and puts a paw on her leg and just says, It's okay. We gotta finish what we started here. Her hand is gripping so tight onto her sword. The ribbons that she has tied around the hilt so that it's not easy for her to draw it. She catches her breath, clutches her muscles. She says, Grab the chits. I'll hold off the shadow. Squeakers nods and runs over to the kids and says, If you don't follow me, 
right now, you are going to be in so much trouble. Oh, man. Okay, fine, fine. Did you see that shadow? It was real spooky. And the kids follow Squeakers back towards where the group is and towards a door that has a very faint creeping of light through the bottom. When they get through, they see that they are back in the banquet hall where they had left previously. Out in a different part of the mist, Hamish walks out until he can't see anything in any direction, and he whistles, and a shadow gathers together, and it materializes, and it takes the form of a living thing, but it doesn't look like any creature that Hamish can recognize. And he says, You know, it's an honor to meet you. Maybe you won't talk. Maybe maybe, it, maybe it's a me thing. Maybe, maybe I'd talk. Um, the shadow doesn't say anything. It wraps around the edges of your vision so that the mist fills with this thick smell of sulfur. All right, that, that's about what I thought. Um, so I'll just go into it, you know. I have been flippant. Um, I might say frivolous of late. You know, I used to be a serious hog. And now I am, you know, through one thing or another, I become unserious. And that's fun sometimes. That's a good way to pass the days. But, you know... I was talking to Squeakers, and he, my word, you know, you, you know the war, you, of course you know the war, you know, there's some things that I've been avoiding, and, you know, that's no way to live. So I decided I'm going to come talk to you and all that you represent. Maybe that's me projecting onto you, but I'm going to have a sit right here. And I want to just be with you for a bit. Is that okay? And Hamish sits down. The shadow pushes forward and develops and then it breaks as if it is breaking apart as it crests against you. And there is another shadow inside. And that shadow pulls itself forward, and then it breaks. And find yourself not sitting in the grass of the garden, but instead in a dark, dark space. Even in a place with the absence of light, that's not dark enough. There's still the potential of light, but in here, it's the kind of dark you can only find in this caves. It's the kind of dark that lives at the very heart of the world where no light could ever be in that darkness yet still there is a light and the smell of sulfur and the sense that if war had a name it would not be spoken yet the ways in which the people you love died did so both maliciously that this thing that indirectly or spiritually is responsible for the deaths of so much of your family use the process of churning the lives of others with a mechanical efficiency 
and that there was a time when it would have chewed through you just the same. When you would have died before you finished your first sentence. But this is a ghost of what it once was. This is a shadow of a thing that now lies forgotten, except in the darkest corners of an otherwise happy world. It looks at you with its uncaring searchlights of eyes. You don't know what's worse, the feeling that it hates you, or the feeling that it doesn't care about you. Hamish sits and digests this a moment, and he looks over, and he sees, illuminated by its own light, seemingly from no source at all, the shape of a groundhog looks much like him. He's wearing glasses and holding a book. And the lights come on, and Hamish is sitting cross-legged on the table in the Great Hall. Oh, hi. How's it going, all? Oh, I, I, I thought you went to go talk to the darkness. No, I, I did. I did. We're good. I didn't die. Alea has got a piece of bread that she's been kind of just pulling apart. <laughs> and so on her plate, there's a pile of breadcrumbs from her ripping apart this piece of bread as a little anxious tech. She looks so like she's like, glad you're alive. Raindrop, I'm with you. I miss the silly beat. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find the answers that you were seeking? Well, no, but uh, I don't think I was looking for them. As the sun begins to rise over Umer Palace, the gang watches as the mist and the coffins, the water, begin to recede. And in doing so, the water level drops, revealing a bridge and the path forward. With the knowledge of what they had just done and what they've seen, the gang prepares to leave. Squeakers turns to Alea and he takes his hat off and kind of holds it sheepishly and says well ma'am uh, it's been a real uh, pleasure uh, getting to make your acquaintance and you know, seeing your your uh, mighty heroics and whatnot uh, you don't you don't suppose you can come with us do you she glances across the bridge and says there's some places I have to see some people I have to apologize to but, uh, hey, she laughs a little bit. Um, next time you find me at an inn, let's get a room. And with that, uh, she kind of flicks your little mouse nose and your hat, and then stands up and walks over to the water where Walt has prepared a boat for her. One of those very long funerary boats. And she climbs into it and gives a little wave. The group waves back as the boat continues down the stream, and Raindrop will turn back to the group and say, Well, I mean, she's pretty cool, and I hope we run into her again, but uh, definitely not here. This place seems too heavy for me. I think I kind of like it. You would. Squeakers gives one, Thank you. one more longing glance at the boat as it sails away, and he says, I hate to see her go but I'd love to watch her leave.
next week on Wander and Roam. Deep in the dark woods of the heath, three days' journey from the warmth of the Umer Palace, the darkness is palpable, eating the light of the party's lanterns. A branching path leads down, down, down to a circle of poison mushrooms surrounded by trees. From within the trees, hooded figures emerge to our hero's surprise. Welcome to the Creepy Coven. Music for Wander and Rome is written and performed by Gary Argyle. Wander and Rome is produced by Winterhawk Podcasts and Gary Argyle. For more great shows, visit winterhawkpodcasting.com.